Hello, and welcome back to the Market Leaders Podcast. I'm David Ackert, and today I'm joined by Cindy McCullough. Cindy is the Director of Marketing and Business Development at Buckley Sandler. She leads the marketing team for the firm, overseeing all aspects of the marketing and business development organization, including brand, communications, events, operations, and practice strategy. Cindy, great to have you with us. Happy to be here. Thanks, David. So, Cindy, tell us a little bit about your firm. Buckley Sandler is a pretty young firm. We were formed in the middle of the financial crisis, and a group of big law partners said, you know what, let's join up with some regulatory and compliance guys and gals and build a firm that can address a lot of the opportunities that were coming out in the 2008-2009 timeframe. The goal was sort of not to be your dad's big law firm, right? So find a way to work faster, more nimbly, be responsive to the needs of the marketplace at the time. And it's it worked. It's been a really successful firm. And since 2008, we've added white collar and fintech to our practices and grown from 40 lawyers to more than 160. That's significant growth over a short period of time. Congratulations. Thank you. It's a great firm. So clearly, there are some marketing initiatives that are going well. Can you hone in a bit on some of the programs that you have initiated in your role that have contributed to this growth? When I came to Buckley Sandler two years ago, we we really wanted to revamp the department. We grew from three people in marketing to eight. We changed over a lot of the people in the department. It was it was a great team, but some of the things that we wanted to do was really set up a, a foundational infrastructure. You know, when you grow from 40 attorneys to 160, you're scrambling just to keep those trains running on time. So one of the, the main objectives I had when I came on board was to find the right team, you know, build the right group of people that could work together to really uh, execute on the strategy that the, that the partners wanted. And also to just make sure we had the right infrastructure to, to improve client service, to increase the efficiency and easily as important to measure the results, see if we really are on the right track. Well, we're going to come back to measuring results in a moment. I'm interested to know what infrastructure you've had to introduce because this kind of growth can sometimes be a problem, right? You go from a smaller firm to suddenly a a pretty significant mid-sized player, certainly from a regional perspective, and that requires that infrastructure gets put in place so you can harness these opportunities, maintain momentum, What have you focused on from that perspective? One of the first things we wanted to do was raise the profile of the firm. When you stand up a firm in in a matter of, of of a week, right, you don't really have the time or the luxury to do stakeholder meetings and figure out what your brand messaging is and to to put up a web even just a website in in a week is really difficult. So we wanted to take a breath and we did have the benefit of, of several successful years that let us know that our strategy was working, but we wanted to make sure the message was clear and the branding was clear. So we took a step back and said, let's start with the brand. Let's take a look at the brand. Let's refresh it. Does it make sense? Are we conveying the right feeling to the marketplace? Are we telling the right story? Are we, you know, we believe that we're efficient and we're dynamic and we're energetic and we bring regulatory focused strategy to every every matter that we work on. But is that clear in what we're saying on our website and what we're saying in our materials? So it was a, a big brand focus and communications focus in the beginning. So in the first two years, we refreshed the brand, we changed the logo, we introduced different visuals, we changed the entire website, launched that in March. We've been standing up technologies to let us work faster and more efficiently. So um, we're rolling out a new e-marketing tool in the next couple of months, replacing our email marketing and our events technologies. We do probably 
four webcasts a month, and we have what I consider to be staggering numbers. In my last firm, we might get 50 people attending a webcast, and that firm was four times the size of Buckley Sandler. We get between 400 and 1,000 attendees per webcast. So we have really amazing numbers of of attendees. So managing that and actually tracking it and seeing, you know, how much conversion we're getting is a real challenge and something that we want to do do a better job of. So improving our event management solution is, is another thing that we're doing this fall. And experience, right? That's, I think, the holy grail of most law firms is figuring out how to catalog, measure, track, and use your experience in not just proposals, but firm-wide for like a knowledge management tool. So that's another thing that we're working on. Can you speak to some of the specific resources you've brought in, whether that's products or uh, structures that have been particularly effective? I think changing some of the technologies from proprietary technologies, so you have to go to the same vendor all the time. I'm a firm believer that open source, things like Drupal, tools that don't lock you into any one process or protocol is really important because you're going to get the best from everyone. First 15 years of my career, I was in high-tech roles in marketing. So whether it was startup software companies or some of the giants like Oracle and Microsoft. So my focus was very much on what is the best technology out there. It wasn't about lockstep with every other law firm, which is something that I find really interesting that I see in in legal. So, you know, we looked at a lot of the tools and very often we come back with, well, what are our clients using? Our clients are using things like Marketo and HubSpot. So what is it that they're getting? What is the the value that they're seeing that we should take a look at? So I'm, I'm very much a proponent of looking much wider than just what's in legal. You asked for specifics. Marketo is what we chose for our e-marketing tool. That's such a great point. You know, I think it's easy to just sort of walk the exhibition floor at LMA National and assume that that's the menu from which you can select when the fact of the matter is there are a lot of other products out there that may not have branded themselves within law firms, but they could very easily be just as, if not more effective to accomplish a firm's objectives. So I applaud you for having an open mind in that regard. Let me be clear, though, I'm definitely not trashing at all that my legal marketing friends and the, and the tools that they're using. If I think if we had a CRM, we very definitely would have gone with a legal-specific solution for our email marketing tool because there's a lot of benefit in, in having something that integrates out of the box with something like Interaction. So, you know, I think Future is an amazing email marketing tool and event marketing tool. But since we don't have a lot of the, you know, I have a green field in front of me, right? I don't have things that are locking me into, well, you really should go with that product because it integrates much better. So it's the good and the bad, right? Because then when we do implement the tool, we've got to spend time on the customization. But I'm okay with that because then we get exactly what we want. Yeah, that's a great point. You mentioned earlier your webcast numbers, which really are quite exceptional, especially given the size of your firm. To what do you attribute that success? There are two things probably that it's hard to know exactly, but I think partly because we don't allow media, honestly, we don't allow competitors and we don't allow government to attend our webcast. So the attorneys that are presenting the content, they're a lot more open about what they share. They're very, you know, there's some some real specifics that you might be a little more cautious about sharing if you knew that 
big regulatory was listening, perhaps. That's one reason. And secondly is the stuff that we do, right? The compliance and regulatory and enforcement work that we do is so dense. It's very legalese. A lot of it is less about just general consultative, here's how to address this business issue. It's, it's really, you know, we have attorneys that have spent time at the SEC that have, you know, come from DOJ. They've come out of OCC. So there's a lot of people like insider expertise that they're bringing to the game. And I think people see value in that. They're just not attorneys that have worked with those agencies. They're attorneys that have worked inside those agencies. So I think that helps give us those numbers. It sounds like between the invitee list and the approach to content, you really are providing a high value experience to the audience. So no wonder they're showing up in droves. So while we're on the topic of infrastructure, let's talk a little bit about your team. How do you manage the manpower in your marketing team so that they also are aligned with this concept of a solid infrastructure? I have been really lucky a couple of ways. One is that the leadership of the firm has been very open to allowing me to do a full audit of the firm's needs as well as the, you know, finding the right people in the right role. So when I came on board, we had one position for business development. And I said, you know what, I really think we need two for XYZ reasons. And, you know, if I put the business case together for how I want to build my team, they look at it, they assess it, and they say yes or no. And luckily enough, they've been saying yes, which is great because it's one of the reasons why we've grown the team by 100%. And we have two people in events, we have two people in business development because we see that that's where our focus is. We see that that's where we're getting a lot of return on our investment. We're able to build a lot faster in these areas. I also have the benefit of of having really amazing bosses and mentors in my career, and I've learned so much from them. And it's as the head of a marketing department, it's very easy to say, this is how it should be done. But if you're hiring the right people, you want them coming in with ideas. I had a mentor one time who said, you know, your job is to make the department look good. My job is to do everything I can to get all the stuff out of your way so that you can do that. And I take that to heart because I think if I'm hiring the right people, they're bringing in new ideas and new ways of doing things. I don't want to come in and and have to just take over what somebody else did. I want them to come in and say, this is what we've done that's been successful either outside of legal or at this larger firm or at this smaller firm and to really make it their own. So in a long roundabout way, I think I'm answering your question by saying that that just I want my staff to come to me with ideas to bring value to their role, to bring value to the firm and find a way to make it their own and not just take over something that's always been done. You know, legal, right? People are always saying, well, it's always been done this way. That makes me bananas. Well, it sounds like your management style is one that invites innovation and new ideas. It also sounds like the leadership at the firm has been very supportive of the vision for growth and using marketing as a uh, driver for that growth. So, you know, you've got those elements aligned. You're going to move in the right direction. They're very big believers in marketing. It's, it's a great firm for, for energy and, and innovative ideas and entrepreneurial approach. Well, your growth trend speaks to the efficacy of that approach. Let's talk a little bit about tracking ROI. Uh, This is always the tricky question, right? How are you taking these various initiatives and the energy that you're spending through the marketing department and making sure that you're making a a strong case that this growth wasn't accidental, it wasn't going to happen anyway? We are playing a significant role in that regard. So what is your approach to that? I think ROI really is a tough one. And and 
we're doing the things that most firms are doing. I mean, there's no magic here, right? We're, we're using Google Analytics to track uh, web traffic. We're mapping pitches and proposals to new business intake data. We are aspirationally going to be using Marketo to track the various touch points and customer conversions. So I'm very excited about that. But honestly, every CMO knows that so much of the big ticket ROI is, is anecdotal. I mean, it's a conference speaking slot led to a copy, which led to a pitch, which led to a referral. And now we've got a $5 million client. How are you going to track that, right? What tool is going to track that? But another thing I love about Buckley Sandler is I literally have a seat at the table. So the weekly partner meetings, the partner lunches, I'm in there and they're talking about meetings, they're talking about calls, they're talking about conference conversations, they're talking about pitches. And every time there's a new client, it's, wait a minute, tell us again how you got that client. And so even though they might not think that speaking engagement led to getting that client, I hear the story and I know the story is if they hadn't had that speaking proposal submitted, if they hadn't attended that conference, they wouldn't have met that GC and it wouldn't have led to this referral, which is now the $5 million client. So it's still anecdotal in a lot of ways. And I don't know that that'll ever change. Well, I think what's important here is a couple of things. One, the fact that you have a seat at the table allows you to help the firm's leadership connect the dots between their various activities and the business that comes in. So, you know, sure, anecdotal, but the fact of the matter is that there is a line that connects one piece to the other, and it's important that someone is there to uh, advocate for that that line and help bring it to uh, the surface. I think another is that, you know, and, and many firms use internal communications, and maybe you do as well, so that whenever there is a victory like that, all the other lawyers hear about it and create a little bit of competition and a little bit of enthusiasm and a little bit of uh, team spirit. But at the end of the day, these anecdotes have to be publicized. They have to be marketed one way or another inside the firm. Otherwise, you don't build any momentum off of them, and you find that uh, they end up being isolated incidents. Completely right. I think some of the most difficult to track ROI are things like social media, right? So I had a counsel that was really cautious about getting on social. He was nervous about getting on Twitter, slowly got him to the point where he's established the profile to just listen a little bit, right? And within, I'm not kidding, once he started tweeting and then he would tweet once a day and then twice a day, within the first two months of him tweeting twice a day, he got a call from the Wall Street Journal who wanted to talk to him about something that happened with the CFPB. Now, there aren't many of our attorneys that are on Twitter, but for a counsel to get a call from the Wall Street Journal, it rocked a certain segment of our of our attorneys, I'll tell you, because they thought it was just fluff. They said, oh yeah, like a client's ever going to call you because of a tweet? No, because that's never going to happen, right? But what's going to happen is a journalist will call you and ask you for a quote, and you'll be published, and then someone will see, if they start seeing enough times your name showing up next to the word CFPB, they start thinking, hey, this person really knows what they're talking about. They are an expert in this area. They're, they're a subject matter expert in this area. And so that person will be on my short list when I put out a, a proposal or an RFP for something. You can't put a dollar on that. You know, that's, that's true. Uh, and I know that this line between marketing and business can sometimes be a jagged one. But the other thing that I want to point to, which I'm sure you're aware of, I mean, this is part of the infrastructure that is a driver of success at your firm, which is that you have a seat at the table, right? The marketing voice is one that leadership is taking seriously and incorporating into the decisions that they're making on a day to day. That's not something that's necessarily true at all firms. And 
I think it's uh, important to observe that part of your firm's growth does include that element. Very true. And it doesn't always work out perfectly, but enough times that I feel good about it. Yeah, great. Well, I have one last question for you, uh, which is, Cindy, where do you go for innovation, inspiration, intelligence? I mean, you've got a very unusual marketing technology background, probably more advanced than most of your peers. So where do you go to keep yourself sharp, both in terms of the sort of law firm CMO role, but also as a marketing technologist? I definitely still go outside of legal for technology insights. Gartner Group is something that if if anyone's worked outside of legal, they know that that's the 800-pound gorilla in technology research and competitive analysis of different tools. So Gartner Group is, I think, is definitely worth a subscription for seeing what other non-law firms are using for their marketing tech. Also, I listen to podcasts. I'm on the metro on the way in in the morning and on the way home and So I listen to Buffer's Science of Social Media. I don't know if you've heard of that one before, but Buffer definitely gets it. And they're sort of like HubSpot in that way. And they're always putting out best practices and tools and templates and case studies. So I think Buffer has a really good podcast. And another one is called Boag World. They talk about websites and user experience and design interface and things like that. So it's just keeping on top of what's latest and greatest. And it always gives you ideas of what's coming down the pike, right? Because I think that's what's really important. Don't look behind. Always be looking forward because legal is, is typically about 10 years, I think, behind on a lot of things when it comes to tech. So I'm I'm trying to keep track of what industry is using. I read what my clients read, which is sometimes kind of a snooze fest, quite honestly. But um, you gotta you gotta know what your clients are living and breathing every day, right? So mortgage sure. banker newsletters. And lastly, I would be totally remiss if I didn't talk about my love for ILTA and LMA. I think those are such great organizations. And honestly, having been outside of legal for most of my career until about 10 years ago, I was stunned at just how open they are about these both of these organizations. You know, the peers, they share horror stories. They share the good, the bad, and the ugly. They talk about what they learn, best practices, insights about different vendors. It's such a competitive thing outside of legal that people would never, marketing departments would never share that stuff. It continues to be inspirational just to attend the conferences and the the various lunches that go on. Well, we've very much been a beneficiary of that dynamic. You know, we've reached out to a number of your peers and and friends of mine in the industry and invited them onto this podcast. And people have been very willing to come and talk about what they're doing and share some of their best practices. So I second that observation. It's definitely an area in which we are lucky to enjoy that uh, our colleagues in legal marketing are so generous in their willingness to share stories from the trenches. Thank you for uh, sharing your time and your insights with me and with the listeners. I think that uh, you'll find that it's something that uh, you can share with others without hesitation. So thank you, Cindy, for your time. Once again, this is David Ackert. You've been listening to Market Leaders Podcast, and this has been an interview with Cindy McCullough. Thanks, David.